Hello and welcome to episode two of the African Tech Roundup. Glad you could join us. Uh, now, every Monday, we round up the week's most important technology, digital, and innovation news from across the African continent. My name is Andile Masugu. I'm a broadcaster and entrepreneur, and hosting this podcast alongside me is my mate, Stefo Mukhapi, who is a tech entrepreneur himself and also the executive editor of iAfrican.com. What's up, Defo? Good to be back, man. How are you doing? I'm awesome, bro. You ready for round two? Yeah, I am, especially today. Well, if you missed our first episode where we told you a little bit more about ourselves and why we're doing this, you can catch up anytime at africantechroundup.com and follow the show on Twitter at African Roundup. Now, it's been a busy week over at iAfrican. What with the report xenophobia initiative on the go, yeah? Yes, it has been, and we'll catch up in a bit about that. Looking forward to you giving us an update on that in a while. And listeners, you definitely want to stick around till the end of the show today because after we share the week's highlights, uh, we'll have a lively discussion about the role of diversity in Africa's tech industry and business in general. But before we get to it, the African Tech Roundup is supported by Lean Startup Joburg. Lean Joburg is a three-day intensive workshop that gives you the ability to build disruptive products. For information on how to fail fast and succeed, even faster, visit bit.ly forward slash lean Josie or find them on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash lean Joburg and follow them on Twitter at lean Joburg. Let's get straight into this week's news. I think it's safe to say that the report xenophobia initiative is certainly doing what we all hoped it would when it was first launched last week. Definitely, it has helped and the media has been covering it thanks to Times Live and News 24 and many others. But uh, one very sad story that we received uh, last week is is about a young boy of eight years old, Zimbabwean, who was set on fire because he's Zimbabwean and his parents are Zimbabwean. And he later passed away a couple of days later at uh, Baragonath Hospital. But the good thing is that uh, that report was forwarded to the South African Police Service and they are acting on it and investigating it. And look, the public has certainly showed support by reporting incidents. This is crowdsourcing at its best. People are showing up for these marches and their thousands. The solidarity has been quite amazing. It's been amazing and it goes to show that it's only a minority that are spoiling for the majority of South Africans. And so you mentioned the media promoting this. Uh, has this been a big part of, of making it a success, getting the word out? It has definitely helped Andile, especially them explaining how people can report, doing demonstration videos. That has been quite helpful. And of course, law enforcement doing its part. They've been more than happy, I'm sure, to receive all the help they can get. They welcome all reports from communities and they found the reports that we've been submitting to them quite helpful. So despite some of the victories and the progress towards justice, some unfortunate incidents have occurred. You've mentioned one. The army has been called in in some areas. Uh, Durban, I drive into Alexandria every Monday morning to host an entrepreneurial business show called Andile's Take. Couldn't do it uh, in the past week because it just wasn't safe enough to do that. And unfortunately, we had to go without that feature for the week. Also, a Malawian man, Felix Kandulu, in Chatsworth was pushed in front of a train, killed that way. Reports of unlawful intimidation continue to flow. But things are slowing down, I think, in terms of the data you're acquiring. Yeah, things have definitely slowed down. What seems to have happened is that uh, the reports of incidents have slowed down, intimidation incidents have slowed down, murders have slowed down, and assault has slowed down. But 
outside South Africa as some of the people have moved out or have been forced to leave South Africa in places like Nigeria and places like Malawi, they're starting to protest and voice their anger at South Africans. Let's stop it if we can. I mean, when we can. In the meantime, let's not tire of doing good. Uh, you can still report xenophobia-related criminal activity by SMSing all details to the number. Country code 27 for South Africa, 72 Six double seven double six two one. Email reportx at iafrican.com. Posting directly on the website reportsxenophobia.co.za and tweeting using the hashtag reportx on Twitter. And of course, well done to the team at iafrican and the people at Ushahidi for transcending the rhetoric and helping us all become a practical part of the solution. Thank you, and uh, yeah, we're just doing our civil duty. Well, we start on a, a very somber note, but uh, it gets better. We promise. Now, Defo, you and I see through all the feigned efforts to ensure that every one of the planet's inhabitants uh, must have internet access. I mean, Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg have become the arguably the most visible proponents of this cause. But no one really talks about the insane boost in profits that big business stands to rake in by way of lowering transaction costs. Nevertheless, that's probably a discussion for another day. Following launches in Zambia, Kenya, Ghana, and several countries around the world, Facebook has recently announced that it will be launching its internet.org app in Nigeria in May. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, there's two sides to it. One, it's good. Give internet access to people. They have access to information. That's how the story goes. But wait a minute. you saying they can have access to the internet and all they can have access to is Facebook and selected apps or websites that you tell them to go to which are not really for their day-to-day needs so and the thing is uh, who's footing the bill well the mobile operators foot the bill together with Facebook helping along but at the end of the day it's all about net neutrality and just to break it down for those who might not be familiar net neutrality is about making the internet or the web open giving you the freedom to use the internet and go wherever you want whenever you want with internet.org it's about using facebook as an entry point into the internet and some limited websites i actually like what uh, ellen not craig jr said about the internet and that the future of the internet and free wi-fi and what it must be viewed as in that it must be viewed as a utility like water electricity and the people who or the organizations who should fit the bill should be government so that they protect its neutrality as well yeah that's exactly it because i mean if we talk about who's footing the bill and you say it's it's network operators essentially it's consumers because we fund the operators well definitely it's our profits funding that absolutely so we're they're living off the fat of the land to get fatter yeah get more users online give them the apps only they want them to see so there'll be for instance there'll be only one movie streaming service approved by the network that you can view so you won't have choice but more importantly i think if uh, internet.org is the future of african internet access it's gonna look very ugly but staying with the issue of supplying disadvantaged communities with access to the internet making headlines across the blogosphere in south africa lately is a phenomenon that's being dubbed the broadband land rush service providers are desperately looking for opportunities to provide cheap data in townships as the market becomes saturated they're trying to get more people to buy data to get onto their networks but that's good again because they're not even blocking access they're saying we're making connectivity costs cheaper but what i find more interesting and what would be more compelling is that the application layer in terms of applications that people in the townships can use is very limited so you're limited to 
not limited as in the case of internet.org but limited in the sense of what you need day to day or what you want to use day to day given the type of devices they use so i'd be much happier if applications by government or service delivery applications were available on the type of phones that people in the townships use or applications that are useful to them for instance you can't check when your rdp house is ready to be built or where in the queue it is things like that that would be great to have applications in the application layer ready for that boost in connectivity i'd love for pigs to fly and uh, unicorns to be real <laughs> well moving on to the johannesburg stock exchange where over the past couple of years there's been an interesting trend developing among south african technology companies listed on the johannesburg stock exchange a trend towards them attempting to delist for various reasons softline itech telemasters altech dimension data not all of them able to follow through uh, with with their attempts to delist uh, and now kijima well kijima's is a bit different there's two things that are going to happen towards the end. Of, well, one thing was going to happen towards the end of this month. The JSE was going to suspend their share trading because they failed to file certain documents. But they will have been in the process of buying back uh, some of their shares. Robert Gumede's Guma Group has been in the process since they experienced some problems. I think if you can remember, there was a government tender called Who Am I? And they hit some very troubled times with that. And since then, they have been looking at a way to delist. And uh, shareholders were offered 220 cents per share and they were like yes please oh yeah i mean at the moment i think shareholders even minority shareholders will grab whatever they can from uh, kijima uh, i think it's sitting at a market capitalization of around 120 million rands plus which is pretty low given where it's been before so and i was going to ask what value you think guma sees in kijima given lower turnover in 2014 a huge debt load sketchy management i think kijima is still a good business there's still a huge uh, market for systems integrators like kijima in south africa Def- Definitely could do with Kijima still running, but I I think the issue here is that listing on the public on the stock exchange is not for everyone. It's not for every company. It comes with its uh, with its demands. So it might be a good thing that they're going private again. They might just find their wings. Good luck to them. Now for something that's being held as the end of an e-commerce era in a month's time. Kalahari.com, South Africa's biggest e-commerce website according to Effective Measure, will be trotted to the back of the shed and put out of its misery. And that's got to be depressing news for the creative agents that birthed the hugely popular Kalahari visual ad campaign, yeah? But it's a sad thing a little bit if you think about it because 200 jobs likely to be lost as they become redundant. It's a result of a merger with takealot.com. Not clear why they chose to go with a takealot brand given that Kalahari has been around probably much longer, but they know the numbers and uh, yeah, interesting times. South African firm Nasper is keeping a nice tidy bunch of shares in their control, I think 41% or something like that, and then a foreign investor being involved as well. That's true. Interestingly, Kalahari.com is one of the few firms I can think of that have been effectively led by a co-CEO team, Kim Reed and Willem van Bullion. It's not traditional or usual for that to happen, but uh, yeah, they've done a good job. We'll see how it pans out with Take A Lot as well. Also making headlines almost everywhere you click on the web these days is the fact that vinyls, you know, those large, flat predecessors of the compact disc, are apparently making a comeback. The fact that this is everywhere you turn has got us wondering if we should believe the hype or not. What our listeners probably don't know about you, Defo, is that you are a huge fan of the OG hip-hop culture. And and so the idea of vinyls making a comeback makes you warm and fuzzy inside. Except you smell a rat. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't make me warm and fuzzy. These guys are cooking the numbers. Let's break it down quickly. Why are we talking about vinyls? Well, a South African blog, we won't name it. If you Google it, you'll find it. But a South African blog has recycled the story from wall street journal that's been making the rounds in 2013 wall street journal re- 
recycle the same story or similar in 2014 and they recycled it again in 2015. Time also recycled it. What does the story say? Well, it says that vinyls are making a huge comeback and they state numbers like Final sales year on year have gone up 50% plus. Following year, they've gone up 49% plus. This is, to the uninitiated, sounds like, wow, vinyl's making a huge comeback. But let's give some context quickly. That 54% plus that vinyl sales jumped by from 2014 or 2013 to 2015 represents 9.2 million sales. Now, is that globally? That's globally, Andile. Now let's flip the coin to the other side of music and you look at streaming. Streaming only jumped 50%, which is similar to vinyl. Actually, vinyl percentage-wise, 54 points, 54%. And streaming, apparently, purse, like song streaming, jumped up 50%. But this represents 164 billion song streams. <laughs> I see why you smell a rat. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, this is equivocating at its best. And I suspect somebody's lobbying the media just to get vinyl sales back up. And if you're challenged by numbers like me uh, and you got a little lost there, the data basically suggests that despite a resurgence in global demand for vinyls, they'll never seriously compete with more modern methods of digital music consumption, right? Well, the articles, all four or five of them, go on to try and slam paid downloads. And they say that paid downloads have gone down 9-12%. But you look at the numbers again, paid downloads loads are trumping vinyl sales by miles. Sony, uh, if you're behind this, <laughs> give us a shout. <laughs> Our final news piece for the week is from the streets. Well, the streets with a twist, but you, I'll let you tell them. <laughs> well, word is, 702 and Sun International South Africa have managed to convince quite a few South African CEOs to commit to paying 100,000 rand Roughly 10,000 US dollars. And yes, it's just under 10,000 US dollars for the privilege of spending a night on the streets of Santon during the upcoming CEO sleepout in June. Now, if you don't know what it's like in June in Joburg, guys, it's like the coldest month of the, of the year. Yo, the pavement is cold. But anyway, notably, among the CEOs confirmed to be sleeping on the streets will be Vodacom CEO Shamil Jusup and Telcom CEO Sipo Maseko. And this happened through a nomination process, yeah? Apparently so, yeah. I actually heard uh, some CEO on, on the radio one of these past few days uh, nominating a fellow CEO. Not quite as famous as these two chaps, but um, yeah, so it kind of works the same way as... Remind me of the name that, of that whole nomination process to raise money for... It was the neck nominations. I find this quite interesting. I mean, we were just earlier talking about uh, mobile and... Uh, net neutrality and bringing costs down etc etc i think that 200 grand because they're spending 100 grand each would be better used trying to bring down data connectivity costs or something else the ceo sleep out is an initiative that apparently started in australia 10 years ago by a guy called bernard fion and the thing is, he, he reckons that having CEOs experience the harsh realities of living on the streets is more effective than the sort of run-of-the-mill fundraisers that been, you know, have been done for years. I don't think so, man. They're going out there knowing very well that tomorrow morning I'm going home to my big mansion somewhere and get a hot shower, etc. So sleeping out is like, uh, I'm just doing this for tonight. And everybody's going to see me as a good guy. And then I give away 100000 It's good for marketing, but does it give them the reality of 
of how it is to live day to day on the streets? Well, the hope is that at very least they experience something that stirs their hearts and they look at their organizations in a different way and they start making decisions that impact the streets a lot more than they did the you know, night before. All you need to look at as a CEO, I'm sure they, num- they know the numbers well, you need to look at the poverty numbers, look at the unemployment numbers. That should scare you enough in South Africa. <laughs> well, I can tell you what numbers 702 and Sun International are chasing. They're chasing 250 um, to spend this night on the street sometime in June. Well, look, guys, I'm not criticizing this altogether. It's a good effort. We all have to try, but yeah, okay. I'll tell you where I'll be that night. <laughs> in bed. <laughs> Same here, dude. I've been looking forward to today's discussion topic because I'm hoping it'll not only get people thinking, but talking. And this time we're talking diversity versus homogeneity. To kick things off, we're going to set a cat among the pigeons by playing a clip we stumbled upon on YouTube. You know, as we were sort of minding our own business the other day, uh, it's flamboyant millionaire executive speaker and entrepreneur, venture capitalist and resident dragon on Dragon's Den, South Africa, Vusi Tembegwayo speaking at the Unique Speakers Bureau Annual Showcase 2015. Take a listen. South Africans are very political, so we love the term, no, we need diversity in the boardroom. For who? For what? Somebody riddle me this. In the past 16 years, Jamaica, in the 100-meter finals, has out-sprinted and outperformed the United States in 100 meters. Why? Jamaica only has 300 million, 3 million people in its population. America, 400 million. The idea is if you want execution, speed, fast, pace, numbers today, what you don't need is diversity, you need homogeneity. You need an understanding similar to purpose, a core belief system that aligns all of your purpose. You think it's a mistake that ShopRite is the best performing retailer in the continent, now 114 billion rand, and yet the entire board is white male Afrikaners? It isn't. It's because when you need execution, drive and delivery, what you don't want is diversity. If you want innovation, you need diversity. You want execution, you want that. (laughs) Now, everything Vusi is saying seems to fly in the face of an article Kanye Makubela wrote for iAfrica. Now, set this up for us, Devo. Kanye Makubela is a partner at Collaborative Fund. He's also a venture capitalist. But the article he wrote really talks about, as the title summarizes it, about how diverse teams are better problem solvers because of their diversity than homogeneous teams, which flies straight in the face of what Vusi said. Now, is that a touchy-feely thing to say? Because it sort of gels with us, you know, our sense of Ubuntu, maybe. Or is this a genuine sort of data-driven assertion? I believe it is, and we just need to look around, I mean, different ecosystems. I'm talking biological and otherwise. There's diversity, and diversity allows the to have longevity, to resist outside forces better, diseases, etc. For instance, even among humans, it is discouraged to inbreed because that presents certain diseases, and that's diversity in itself. Kanye's article points to some academic support for his assertion, right? Yeah, I mean, he, he cites a paper by the Michigan Business School that's titled Groups of Diverse Problem Solvers Can Outperform Groups of High-Ability Problem Solvers. Okay, but then is this tech-specific, or are we talking business in general? Because to be fair to Vusi, he did cite an example in business and not necessarily tech. I think this is business in general. Diversity is important and it's necessary. And primarily why I think it's important is because 
if you're outside a community, if you're not a member of that community, it's going to be a little bit more difficult for you to come up with solutions for that community. I'm not saying it's always the case, but it's going to be that slightly more difficult. I have to confess that Bussi's statement offends my moral sensibilities, but does he have a point on some level, or is is what he's saying unreliable because it appears subjective? At some level, I think he has a point, but no, man, I can't agree with him. <laughs> because what I get from him, he's saying that homogeneity, and he uses race and gender. He's saying, let me quote him, he says, is it a mistake that Afrikaner males made a success of ShopRite? And I say that they're Afrikaner and that they're male is just a coincidence. But I think to make an excuse for Vusi, and I'm really stretching here, I think he meant homogeneity in, st- in, in terms of vision, homogeneity in terms of how hard they work. In- Maybe in this particular case, all those sort of values that you just described happen to reside in Afrikaner males. Only in Afrikaner males? Ooh! <laughs> Vusi, you got therefore very upset up here. Ah, uh, no, come on, Vusi. <laughs> Maybe the whole thing is subjective. We obviously don't have all the answers. Uh, And we certainly don't have all the time in the world on this particular podcast to exhaust this topic. Uh, But that's what we have you for, to carry on the conversation offline and uh, and online, mind you. By all means, we want you, the listener, to have your say. Tell us what you think by leaving us a comment directly in our SoundCloud at africantechroundup.com. Give us a shout on Twitter at African Roundup or just tweet your thoughts using the hashtag ATRU. Do you agree with Vusi? in saying that homogeneity lends to the sort of focus required to deal with the realities of this world and make business success happen? Or do you agree with Kanye who says diversity is key? Yeah, we'd love your views. A quick shout out to all our listeners who are already engaging with us. We love to hear from you. So George Chinoaita, keep it coming. Adrian, Jesse, guys, keep it coming. And lastly, and importantly as well, Mpedzegwa. That sounds like a Zimbabwean surname. They're going to adopt you real quick. (laughs) Thanks for letting us know that you dig our work and for sharing it with your people. Keep listening, guys. And once again, we'd like to thank Lean Startup Joburg for their support. Check them out on facebook.com forward slash Lean Joburg and on Twitter at Lean Joburg. Otherwise, for me, Andy Lemasugo. And me, Tefomo Happy. Take it easy.